When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Marriage Therapy Radio. I'm Zach. I'm here with Laura. Today, we're talking about one of my favorite things, actually, which is this idea that each of us has inside of us different sort of ego states or different ways of thinking about pain in our lives. And we're geeking out on one of my favorite couples therapists. Her name is Terry Real. Laura's finally getting on the bus. It's a cool conversation. Stick around. Hey, I um, started reading a new book. I've been kind of dorking out. I think I told you this earlier that I have a few people that I'm dorking out about. And um, I just started this new book and I really like the premise of it. It's called Magnificent Sex, which just grabs. I mean, I want to I want to again, take this on vacation and read it by the pool and get the looks that I get when I read my, (laughs) my professional development books by the pool. Like, um, yeah, but it's, it's lessons from extraordinary lovers, which I really love. And it's by, uh, Klein Platts. And uh, is that true? Is it really by Klein Platts? Am I making that up? I should probably know who the author is before I start telling you. Yeah. It's by, uh, Peggy Klein Platts. Um, but here's the deal that I really like. It's it's sort of like qualitative information where um, they're interviewing people who are saying, yes, indeed, I'm having magnificent, amazing sex. And they're pulling the themes out and they're interviewing these people. Mm. And then they're saying, all right, so what are the themes? What do we see here that's going on with people who are identifying that they're having kind of like light socket sex? And um one thing that I really liked is they specifically interviewed LGBTQA plus individuals because okay. they have had to. LGBTQA? They're added an A now? Yep. Plus. A plus? Uh-huh. And I might be missing, I might be missing a letter or two. I actually don't know. I'm I'm assuming that the A is asexual at the end, which is why I had said. By the, I'm okay. kind of intrigued by this. Is um, So I'm going to put this out there. If we okay. have any listeners who are professionals who specialize in working with individuals who identify as asexual, if you yourself um, kind of consider yourself, uh, well, either asexual and kind of an expert on the topic, I want to talk to you. I'm so curious about that. Um, I had somebody ask me, uh, send a question in specific to what do you do when you're in a relationship like a marriage and one of you identifies as asexual? I mm. want to I want to know more and I want to utilize our audience and see if we have anybody out there that says, yep, I indeed am an expert. Okay. Anyway, going back to Magnificent Sex, they specifically interviewed LGBTQA plus individuals because they are out of the sort of vanilla 
spectrum and have had to really intentionally look beyond the boundaries of what societal norms are when it comes to sex and sexuality and expand beyond. And, and with that comes greater conversation, greater trust. Um, it's interesting because mm-hmm. she, in the book, she mentioned something that you talk about a lot, which is with BDSM um, needing to have a lot of conversation, like clear communication, clear boundaries, clear trust. Mm-hmm. And that's really important in relationships and having magnificent sex. But I was I just wanted to share that I'm really enjoying this book. I'm dorking out on it. And um, I've just now taken up all of your time talking about my, my latest <laughs> obsession. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not really dorking out on anything. Are you reading um, right now? Are you reading anything? I know that you're a I reader. Do, I, I, I start lots of books. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I start lots of things. I, I'm, I'm having a hard time concentrating these days. But yeah. Um, that's I that's unrelated to whether or not I'm dorking out on stuff. I'm not really reading. I did get a new book that I'm excited about, but Abby stole it because she wanted to use it for her um, her uh, psych project that she has to do before the end of fake school. <laughs> fake school. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. My son right now is um, he's working through a Kumon. You know what Kumon is? Does that ring a bell yeah. at all? OK, he's working through yeah. a Kumon grade three math uh, workbook right now. And the kid is not even in kindergarten yet. I I have to send you this video because to watch my preschooler walk me through how to do, um, (laughs) like, I don't know, three or four number subtraction problems, like subtracting 1500 from 3,300 or something like that, watching him carry the one and then explain to me like, and then I have to do this. It's just, man, my heart swells. I'm like, you are such a dork. You are a dorky little boy. And I love (laughs) you to pieces. Meanwhile, this is what I get from my kid. There are seven girls on a bus. Each girl has seven backpacks. Each backpack has seven big cats. Each big cat has seven little cats. How many legs are on the bus? (laughs) (laughs) Does she send that to you? Yeah. Did you work through it? Did you figure out how many? Okay, hold on. Listeners, don't tell the answer. Listeners, send <laughs> us your answers. Send us your answers. I'm curious. Sure. All right. There are seven girls on a bus. Each girl has seven backpacks. In each backpack, there are seven big cats. Each big cat comes with seven little cats. How many legs are on the bus? So can I, it sounds like you have seven girls, seven cats, seven, seven big cats, seven little cats, right? Rebecca. So Mary sends us this text and says, hey, Family, we have a family one. She's like, do this riddle. And Rebecca goes, no, too many cats. <laughs> yeah. We're not a pet. We don't have pets. We're if, not a pet family. Yeah. If it was, there are seven Shih Tzus, I would have been like, no, 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 <laughs> that's a hard no. I, you had me at Shih Tzu. <laughs> okay. Here's what I want to talk about because I am dorking out about something else. It's not a book I'm reading. It is the fourth time I have listened to um, Fierce Intimacy. And if, if our listeners are wanting to just have something to listen to, that's a new p- point of view, a new perspective. And I've been sending you these text messages where I have been dorking out on Terry Reel's sort of theoretical concepts of relationships. And yeah. your response to me is like, welcome to the party, Laura. <laughs> you are. This is who you are. You are. You are Rebecca in this way. I'm like, hey, Rep, we should totally watch this movie. And she's like, no, that movie looks terrible. (laughs) And then like two years later, she comes back and says, you know, my friends told me I should watch this movie. (laughs) And I watched it eight times. And I watched it. And I'm like, 
you dirty rat. No. Yeah. So I've been geeking out on Terry Real or I've been familiar with Terry Real for probably 25, really? years, maybe 20 years. Yeah. So he came on the scene in the late 90s when he wrote a book called Men um, Depression. No, hold on. Hold on. He wrote a book called uh, I Don't Want to Talk About It. Yes. Which was the first kind of book about male depression, which yeah. at the time in psychological social circles, depression was seen as kind of a weakness or like a woman's disease. Mm -hmm. And so he kind of broke the ground there. And then a couple of years later, he wrote a book called How Do I Get Through to You? How Can I How Can I Get Through to You? Which was basically written for the wives of the men that bought the first book. Mm -hmm. um, and so at a time when I was becoming familiar with my own depression and then also Rebecca was needing to, like he was a big... Uh, sort of resource for us. And the work that he did th thrust him into kind of into sort of a couple's couple's spectrum. Like he's a much more of a couple's therapist now than he is an individual therapist. Mm. Um, and he has been pioneering kind of this methodology for, I'm going to say, I don't know, it's called relational life therapy. Mm. It's probably, it's probably got 15 years or so of like real, energy around it. You can get certified in RLT. And, um, I think I'm, I'm not going to get certified, but I've finished one, two and three. Wow. Um, so you yeah, really so can dork out on this. I can. And I like him a lot because, um, as you, as you've noted, one of your texts, you sent, you said, um, it's basically the same stuff as John Gottman, but said a different way. Yeah. I feel like what John does really well is sort of math and science mm -hmm. and what Terry does really well is like literature and art. Hmm. Um, and if you're, if you're, if you're fluent in both, you can keep the core sort of themes. Right. And then dance around quite a bit based on whoever you're talking to. Yeah. So. Well, the one thing that I, I think has been really helpful in the conversation I've been having with couples a lot lately. And if you are one of my couples, you're going to say, yep, Laura, totally talk to me about <laughs> this. Um, I have been introducing this idea of what what Terry Real talks about is like the adaptive child. And I'm going to explain it in the words that I understand it. And I would love to hear you sort of explain it since you've gone further with this training and you've been just your years down the road, very, very far down your gray wise years. <laughs> You're just so, so much older. <laughs> so much and older closer and wiser. To death. Yeah. Um, but the adaptive child is what I think of as it's it's like the very first, it's that instinctual response that we go into when we go into fight, flight, or fix is what he kind of talks about. So we have our um, sort of logical brain, the prefrontal cortex, which is going to be more of the second consciousness that he talks about, um, which I, I kind of describe as like the adult you. It's the adult human you that is able to show up in relationship. Is that accurate? Okay, cool. Do you want me to like wait for you or do you want me to? No, I want you to dive in. Please interrupt me. Okay. Yeah. So um, the adapted child is exactly what you're describing, but it's one of three ego states that he talks about. And the adapted child is the strategy that we use to respond to the wounded child. Mm. And the wounded child is the one of us that is like raw, you know, emotional, reactive. It's the one, it's the one that rages. It's the one that, you know, doesn't think logically. And all of us learn strategies probably around 13, 14, 15 to protect ourselves from the wounded child. 
Can, can usually, I ask you a question? Is the yeah. is the wounded child what John and Julie Gottman talk about as like the enduring vulnerability that we have? Pretty much. Okay. Pretty much. All yeah. right. So here's what we're doing. We're just using like different language to describe basically the same thing. Yeah, but this is yeah, but this is also like you said, nothing new under the sun. I mean, Freud started this right with kind of id ego super ego. Or he didn't mm-hmm. really start it, but he he <laughs> kind of he kind of um, p- pioneered at least kind of the three ego state. Mm-hmm. mentality and then transactional analysis which we've never quite talked about in the 70s came up with this idea of parent adult child mm. and what and the way terry has framed it is that the wounded child the adapted child and then the functional adult functional the adult that, there we go which is the thing the adult you and what he does which is kind of different is um he will he will say straight up that he takes sides in couples therapy, like mm-hmm. he takes the side of the more vulnerable partner. And sometimes he takes the side of the functional adult when the it's the wounded child or the adapted child that's showing up. So it's it's really intriguing to watch him do it live because he'll literally say, hey, can I talk to your wounded child and and start talking to this like three year old boy, six year old boy who's yeah. hiding in the closet being traumatized by his dad. But um, but yeah, I want to hear you talk a little bit more about your idea of the adapted child, because what he also does in terms of the functional adult, I think is really brilliant and would be a cool thing to, to have you speculate about how you might add it into your practice. Hmm. The way that I find this to be really helpful is asking couples to think about like the last time they got into it, they got into that nasty dance that they get into. And, um, the last time they showed up and they know that they weren't showing up as their best self. They totally got flooded. They raised their voice. They got angry. Everything escalated. And thinking about when you were in that fight, flight or fix moment, who showed up? And and so I think what Terry Real says is when we get flooded, we go into our adaptive child. And mm-hmm. how our adaptive child shows up is different for everyone. Um, mm-hmm. But I really like when he says take some time and identify the characteristics, like describe to me who this adaptive child is and use three to five adjectives to describe who, who shows up in these moments when you are angry and resentful and, um, maybe like, uh, I mean, I don't even know. Do you, have you gotten in touch? Like, have you described who your adaptive child is where you go? Well, the, uh, yeah, I have a pretty pretty good idea. Um, the adapted <laughs> child is um, the part of us that tends to overdo it. Like sometimes they tend to overserve. Like I'm going to be the kindest, nicest, you know, most helpful person on the planet. It's like the brown noser at school, mm-hmm. sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, or they might like overeat, or they might overcompete, or they might overdrink, or they might um, sort of over overstudy, you know, it's kind of the one that I'm going to over, I'm going to overcome this um, versus like, versus really get familiar with it and work with it. And the thing about the adapted child is it's really useful and the best parts of it can be really, really helpful um, in terms of certainly in terms of avoiding pain, but it doesn't, doesn't draw you into maturity, right? It doesn't draw you into the functional adult. It kind of, kind of hinders you. And so I think it is a really good idea to, to do what you're doing, which is to say, Hey, who's here? Like mm-hmm. who's, who is in this argument right now? Mm-hmm. Um, what's funny is I have this one couple and they, they're totally eating me up right now. They're like, they're like, Zach, you're so amazing. And it doesn't, that doesn't really do anything for my ego. But, but you like, got it. You got them really hosed. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, 
But I think the reason is because I, 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 I reflected something to them that they never had words for. Mm-hmm. And it was basically this. I was like, do you realize that when you start to argue, you're basically singing? Like there's a melody to your argument. Yeah. And they're both, um, they're both like theater people. Mm-hmm. And so, or like media people, radio people. And um, they understand performance a great deal. And they're like, yeah. we're totally dropping into our little performance Mm-hmm. mode that helps us feel special, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I, 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 so, so with them, and I think this is the thing that I love about Terry is he'll say something like, look, your adapted child is welcome here. Like they're allowed to be, be here, but it's the responsibility of the functional adult to say, Hey buddy, um, you, you need to take sit in the back seat. You can't drive. Yeah. Cause if you drive, we're going to crash this car. Mm. And so take your hands off the steering wheel and here, let me buckle you into the back. I got you. I'm here for you. Like mm-hmm. I'll get us into the car and we'll get where we're going. Mm. Um, and he really like articulates that out loud yeah. um, so that you can sort of recognize that it's not your job to crush or kill or banish the adapted child or the wounded child. It's your mm-hmm. job to care for them mm. um, and to care for, and frankly, to care for your partners, right? Mm. Like, um, when Rebecca's shows up or mine shows up, we have an option to be really annoyed by that and go, that this is so stupid. I can't believe how childish you're being mm-hmm. would be a way that that might come up. Right. Or I can say, Hey, something, something's up. Like, what do you, what's happening right now? And do we need to, how can I help you like step yeah. into your, your better brain? So, Not, which is different than how can I help you grow the book up? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I like that because that seems to me if if you are in agreement as a couple that the two of you have a common goal, like you want to solve a problem, you want to stay connected, you want to remain empathetic to one another, which means that your adaptive child does not get a seat at the table between the two of you. This is an adult yeah. d- adult only conversation. Yeah. Um, so if that's the common goal and let's say it's you and Rebecca and you notice like, oh, here comes Rebecca's, you know, adaptive child. And I like to name them. I like to give them nicknames, like some sort of childhood nickname. Uh, maybe it's Reeb or whatever. But uh, so you recognize that something something has triggered her adaptive child to to sort of like show up and try and take over. And so here's a really good example of this. OK, um, it's specific to Rebecca um, is um, Rebecca and her mom have a pretty uh, in, interdependent relationship. I, I might have once called it codependent and unhealthy, but it's it's come a long way since this story that I'm about to tell you, um, which is that uh, mom used to live out of town and would come into town uh, for like extended stays, like 10 days or so. And for those 10 days, Rebecca would drop into like, I'm a 15-year-old girl. Right. And would totally become a pleaser and kind of manic and, you know, everything I did was problematic because I didn't like her mom. And, you know, the kids were sort of not a priority because she was trying to be, she was being a daughter, not being a mom. And Mm -hmm. so that became very, very annoying to me. And I would get really upset about it and it would ruin our 10 days and probably the week after until we finally named it and said, Oh, when she comes into town, you drop into this space. You don't have the tools to, to drop out, to come out of it at the moment. Cause we were in our early, you know, late twenties, probably or early thirties. And, um, and finally I was just like, cool. So now we know when mom comes, 
I just don't care about anything you say or do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I take care of the kids. Mm-hmm. We don't argue. <laughs> and when you when she leaves, we we let the balance come back. Okay, can I ask you a question about this? Yeah. Is the is the reason that Rebecca drops into her adaptive child because there is a something is happening like her wounded child there's a wounded child in there and so the adaptive child is saying oh okay so you're experiencing this discomfort this pain this whatever yeah. it might be and here's how the adaptive child is going to go ahead and manage you so yeah. it's like you have a wounded child that's alone in the closet the adaptive child comes in and is like oh i know how to help make you feel better here's what mm-hmm. we're going to do we're going to go and busy ourselves and we're going to completely disengage from the family and we're going to go spend just copious amounts of time at the neighbor's kid's house. And so the adaptive child has learned to completely disengage from interaction with people who they love in order to avoid pain. So that's the adaptive child. Is that accurate? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Um, like, and so in some ways, my, my chosen strategy to sort of disengage is the adaptive child, but it was done in conversation between two functional adults, Rebecca and I going, Hey, this kind of happens, seems like it happens mm-hmm. with some regularity. Mm-hmm. We know, we know that it's, it could create a lot of tension for us. How about we just choose this instead rather than, and, and let me say one more time in the last 10 or 15 years, Rebecca and her mom and me have all come a very long way. Like this is not strategy that we currently are experiencing a lot, but, yeah. um, but at that time we didn't have the emotional intelligence or the maturity to do the like sort of core muscle work right. of a f- healthy, healthy differentiation and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, setting co- clear boundaries and blah, 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 blah. Incidentally, that's another big part of Terry's philosophy is this idea of basically he's got this one model that has, um, has, um, shame on one axis yeah. and sort of boundaries on another axis. Yep. And, and, you know, the goal is to kind of stay right in the crosshairs. Right. But on the, on the one, on the boundary side, there's either, I have very, very, walled up boundaries that right. no one is going to penetrate or yeah. I'm like Swiss cheese, which means <laughs> I'll give you anything you want. And so, right. um, Rebecca and I were probably on opposite ends of that boundary line where you were walled we, off and she was Swiss she cheese. Was, yeah. yeah. And t- until we both kind of came into the middle. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where we live now, which is, which is healthy for us, healthier yeah. for us. Yeah. I, I do want to address something because I know a lot of our listeners, you know, it's really cool. I'm learning more and more that there are husband and wife teams and wife and wife teams and husband and husband teams that are listening to our podcast together. Like they are mm-hmm. using this as a tool in their relationship, which is so cool. But I know that the vast majority of you, it's one person that is listening to the podcast that is entertained or maybe doing some personal growth or wants to work on their marriage, but they're doing it by themselves. And the part that I really like that's helpful is you, if you're doing this by yourself, getting really clear on your adaptive child and getting really clear on when you need to step into your functional adult and identi- and, and understanding that. But the thing I love about Terry Real is he says, look, like you, you get to be your adaptive child. You can absolutely show up as your adaptive child, but you don't get to both show up as your adaptive child. And that one kind of blew my mind because if you're working on this alone, you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, okay, I got this. I can, I can choose in these moments, my functional adult, I can choose to cool off and enter into conversation, but I don't have control over my partner. And if my partner is showing up in their adaptive child, that means that I don't have a choice of whether or not I get to be 
in my adaptive child, I have to choose the functional adult in that moment because only one Mm. of us gets to be in their adaptive child at one time. And I really liked that because (laughs) you can de-escalate a situation if you are in your functional adult and your your partner is showing up and they are completely flooded and they are completely reactional. And um, I like that. I think that that gives me a sense of power in the relationship, knowing that I have a choice and I have um, the ability to just, I guess, cool the conversation or um, repair. Yeah. My partner is not in that moment. Yeah. And you know, I I feel like, I'm just drawing on experience. And this happens to be one thing that happened yesterday that was going to make me look good and Rebecca look bad, but that's just a just circumstance. But yesterday she was, the kids were driving her crazy. I was out here in the office working. I went inside to say something. I kind of flitted in and flitted out for, you know, 10 minutes or so. And on the way out the door, she said something that was just really mean. And, and I knew exactly what was happening, which is she was, she was overwhelmed by the kids and disappointed and stressed out about, you know, the, the current state of the world and blah, 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 blah. And I just came down and I sat, I just sat here at my desk and I typed her and I go, look, I get that you're upset and that you're, um, that lots going on. And I'm sorry that I triggered you. Um, but there's really no reason for you to talk to me like that. Like, or rather, I think, I think exactly what, I think exactly what I said was, I understand that you're upset and frustrated. And then when that happens, you go to meanness because she does. Mm -hmm, That's where, mm -hmm. that's what her Enneagram two does, which is a conversation for another day. But, um, and I just said, Hey, I get it. I, I know that you go to meanness, but there's really no reason for you to talk to me like that. And, mm. um, and when I come back in, I'm going to like, let's just be, let's just be okay. Yeah. And she was like, totally. I, I was about to apologize anyway, da, da. but it, I think that's the functional adult, the functional adult who shows up and says, I understand what's happening now. Yeah. I think, I think this is important. I think we ought to talk about it, but we have to talk about it. Like grownups, we can't, yes. we can't do it like this, you know? Yeah. I don't talk a lot about parenting your partner, but I talk a lot of the difference between a lover and a mother and your partner does not want you to be their mother as much as they want you to do your lawn, do their laundry and, and uh, pick up after them and remind them that they have a doctor's appointment. They don't want you as a mother. They want you as a lover. It is the easiest way to infuriate me is to parent me. Yeah. Oh, um, whether, believe whether, me, I've done that many a times <laughs> and I'm sure I have infuriated you by mothering you. Yeah, but and so have my kids. Like when my kids parent me, it's it's the easiest way. It's not it's we all have we all have all the ego states. Mm. Um, even Holden has a functional adult in there. Like there's a there's a there's a functional adult inside a five year old, too. Yeah. And it's just the it's it's the responsibility of. Well, I don't want to go to parenting, but like, let's get to know him. Mm. Let's let him get to know him. Mm. You know, um, that's what I'm doing with my 17 year old and my 13 year old, which might be even harder than a five year old. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm not there yet. I don't want to think about my son as being, you know, sort of like a parent or he's just my little baby. You have to see. OK, but before we came on, before we came on, though, you were talking to me about how he's like working through this math yeah. stuff, like he's really working through yeah. it and that he's not slamming his pencil down. He's not, um, he's not saying I can't do this. Right. He's just like muscling through this. No, hundred percent. He gets um, frustrated. We we're working on, um, are you familiar with Carol Dweck's? Uh, we're really, man, this is a long podcast. We're in, we're in the flow. I have no idea. I don't have a timer. Um, I don't, I don't have a timer. We're already at like 27 minutes, but have you heard of Carol Dweck, <laughs> um, growth mindset? Yeah, probably. Okay. Um, so 
versus like fixed mindset or something. Yep. Yep. So there's a a growth mindset and then there's fixed mindset. I think the book itself is just called mindset and Holden tends to fall into a, a fixed mindset, which is he feels very competent. And the moment he experiencing experiences anything that uh, sort of like shows like, hey, you actually didn't get this problem right. He goes into a bit of like a rage. He does slam his pencil down and he does say, oh, this is just the worst day ever. That's my that's Mm -hmm. my little boy because he didn't do 15 minus eight correctly. And so I'm really Mm -hmm. trying to coach him out of (laughs) what an idiot. Trying to coach him out of this fixed mindset. Um, I've mentioned her book before, right? It's great. Yeah. 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 Hey, let's land this plane because I'm going to lose a babysitter here in like four minutes. So I got to finish it up. um, Can we dork out a little bit more on on Terry Real? Anytime. Yeah, right. I've been trying to if, get you to do it for like years. So it's fun to actually have this conversation. I don't, I don't love his live teaching, but I do really appreciate. Um, so for people who are listening, if you look up Fierce Intimacy, it's um, he's speaking not to the therapist. He's speaking to the individual or the couple. And it's um, not a book. It's like a live teaching. And I think it's his best work that he's done because it is hard. It is painful to watch him teach. Yeah. And his like his like uh, marriage text is called the new rules of marriage. Yeah. And I recommend it a lot. The other thing that's really cool about him and that I resonate is he's kind of a feminist, like it's really about empowering women in particular because uh, marriage wasn't invented for women. Marriage was invented for men. And so he's trying to bring level the playing field a little bit. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for thanks for diving into my yeah. latest obsession with me. Yeah, no problem. I know I'm just like three years late on, on this, but I'm here. I showed up. Cool. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to check out our website, marriagetherapyradio.com. Sign up for our newsletter because every... Every once in a while, we will send you an email with a good dad joke here or there and some news on what we have going on. Thanks for all of your time and attention, making your relationship better today than it was yesterday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.